All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, February 12th of 2024. Looking ahead, we have a nine-game NBA main slate as well as a four-game NHL slate, so it should be a fun day of DFS. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You get your questions in one of three ways here. First off, send us an email, support at sabersim.com. Second, post it live in the YouTube chat. Third way, post it in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord and want to get access to that channel, there is a link in the description of this video. You also get access to our similar channels, individual sport channels, and you get access to the rest of the SaberSim team here. So can't say enough good things about the Discord. But with that said, uh, welcome to our new showtime here, 4 p.m. Eastern. Appreciate you guys making the change and still catching the show. I know that a lot of people fall into a routine, so uh, I, I'm I'm happy to see you know people are able to still tune in and ask questions here. But with that said, I'm gonna get the app pulled up. Hope you guys enjoyed Super Bowl Sunday. It was an eventful game. Uh, you know, overtime we got we got you know a huge sweat equity there. You know, looked like CMC was gonna be like the uh, the optimal captain for like a very very long time, and then here comes Patrick Mahomes right at the end of the game. So it was, was pretty crazy, all things considered. I know, I know I had a good time, so I hope you guys had a good time as well. But uh, with that said, we're going to jump into questions. First, we're going to start with questions that came in in the Office Hours channel in Discord. And then from there, we will jump over to the YouTube chat. But I'm just trying to see when our first question came in here and it looks like it came in from Henry on uh later a little bit later on Saturday. So gonna get this question in the chat. Question says are you asking about rank in sim ROI rank? If so I would increase uniques to get a little further down the pool provided they have positive ROI if you just play the top 100 you're probably more concentrated than you would prefer. Okay. Okay. So I think that this was in response to D Wibbins here. Uh, you know, in, in general, you know, I think this is probably like something good to talk about. So I'm just going to kick off a build here. You know, the builder doesn't understand risk management. So we always talk about this, like, you know, man versus machine approach, like hand builders versus like, uh, Simbros versus, you know, uh, just just whoever right so i always think that you know the best approach isn't man it is a machine it's a combination of both so you're using the tools you know you're allowing it allowing the tools to do what they do best but see the problem is that the tools don't understand risk management they see value they see you know positive roi they see good spots and they just hammer it right well uh the tool is not great at risk management so that's where you come in you know, with your own unique risk tolerance, uh, mind you as well, right? Like my risk tolerance might be different from yours, might be different from Jordan's, might be different from Max's. And, and we all have our unique style that, you know, at the end of the day, makes you comfortable with the lineups that you submit. So that's why I think that, hey, it's good to come in here, review your lineups. Like, yeah, you know, you might be running a contest sim, you might be sorting by ROI or risk adjusted ROI or, or whatever contest sim. The builder's going to identify what it perceives to be the best plays. And then you have to come in here and say, hey, you know, 
look at these leverages. Like, am I okay, you know, playing Draymond Green, who's 15% owned, in 95% of my lineups? And, you know, that's a personal question, honestly. In, in my opinion, you know, the way that we suggest it is, hey, you know, focus on your highest leverage players and make sure you agree with these. Or if you're like, you know what, I would never want to have 90% of anybody. And so then you come in here and you lower it, right? And one of the easiest ways to do that is with min uniques. You are organically adjusting your exposures by putting this constraint on the builder saying, hey, you know, make sure each lineup has at least four players different from every other lineup in my pool. And then the builder, what it does is instead of just using the top 20, the best 20 that it identified, now with this constraint, it has to make tough decisions and it has to go deeper in the pool to find lineups that match that uh, request that you made. And then you find some interesting things out, right? So for me, what's interesting right off the bat is, hey, Draymond Green was our highest exposure at one min unique. But when we bump this up to four, the builder is actually telling me, in my opinion, hey, we actually think Nikola Vucicic is more valuable than Draymond Green because what's happening here is it is prioritizing the exposure to to Nicola as opposed to Draymond Green by it still being the highest exposure after the constraint. So when we go to one, Min Unique, Vucicic is at 75%, Draymond Green is at 90 and then at four Min Uniques, Vucicic stays the same, and then Draymond Green goes down. So when the builders put in this tough spot, it's like, you know what, let's actually keep as much Vucicic as we had before, and let's move all these other pieces around. And that's what I talk about is like this, uh, organic exposure adjustments rather than what most people do is just come in here and, you know, before we had this tool, just lower the max exposure to the top plays. Well, maybe that's not the best decision, right? There are other ways of maintaining that value while still getting to different exposures and managing your risk, right? So, so those are some of my thoughts there. Let me know if you have any follow-up, uh, but it was just a question that kind of led me down thinking of that path here. Another question that came in yesterday, which I just I just want to cover this one for everybody because, you know, FanDuel on mobile is like pretty weird. So there's a question, is there a way to upload from CSV on the FanDuel mobile app? So I would highly recommend if you're doing that and you're having trouble, go to our help docs, go to frequently asked questions. In the top, just type in mobile or even phone will work. And then we have different tutorials. So one for DraftKings, one for FanDuel. There's a really important part in this where I turn the phone into landscape mode and then zoom out. So the reason I do that is because on FanDuel, you're looking for this CSV edit button, which let me see if I can just uh, pop this up, turn the volume off. Okay, so at, at this point, I'm in like, uh, you know, vertical mode, whatever it is. And then right around here, I'm going to decrease the zoom from a hundred percent. I'm going to turn it down and then I'm going to turn my phone into uh, landscape mode here, which it's sideways, but you can notice from vertical, you can't see anything here, right? There's no CSV edit button anywhere. And then as soon as I turn it and decrease the zoom, you're going to get that button here. So yeah, you got to tilt your head or, you know, lock the orientation on your phone and then turn your phone. But the point is when you turn it into landscape mode, that button becomes visible and that is what you are looking for. So FanDuel does, you know, some funky stuff with their, you know, CSV edit and all that. But uh, 
this tutorial does this tutorial does cover those things. So make sure to check that out if you're having any issues. And what I could do is I could just drop this in the chat for you guys. That way, if anybody needs it, it's it's right there and accessible. And then one other important part um, is it's better to have this open DFS site on download option turned off when you're on mobile, because what can happen is when you auto switch tabs from SaberSim to the DFS site, that can interrupt the download of your lineup file to your phone. So when you have this off, it will not interrupt that process. So turning off open DFS site on download is another important step which is also covered, but just wanted to talk about like the key points of that tutorial. That way everybody can know about them. All right. Next question here. Question says, question when you use the review tab after a slate, does it look at the entire 150 max entries or does it include all the lines from a pool of 500? I'm just trying to determine if my research is close or far off with the lines that have done well once you use the review feature thanks okay good question uh let's go back to saturday i should have a build here from saturday uh looks like we didn't run lineups here let's try friday okay we have a couple builds okay so this build two here right so so what's going to happen is these are going to be the lineups that I played, right? So say I did, you know, 20 lineups. I have a pool of 5,000. Well, when you sort by actual score, what's going to happen is it's not going to care about the 20 lineups that you originally played. It's just going to sort all of your lineups in the pool, regardless of whether you played them or not. So if your, you know, 3,000th lineup was the highest actual score, that, that one's going to be first now. So the better thing to do is to come in and use this money uh, the magnifying glass with the money sign. And then what this is going to do, it's going to sort by actual score, but it's going to keep the 20 lineups that you had in your set of my lineups. And then it's going to show you where they came. So out of all of, out of when it looks at the actual scores of all 5,000 lineups, my, uh, I played the seventh highest actual scoring lineup in my 5,000. And then I played the 19th highest actual scoring lineup. And then if I wanted to see what these other, oh, I'm sorry. So what happened here is this is the seventh lineup in my set. And so out of my 20, my seventh lineup was the highest. And then my 19th was the second highest. And then my second lineup was the third highest. If I want to see where those rank in my pool, I go over to pool and then this will tell me, Hey, my 1198th lineup was actually my highest scoring lineup. And then I skipped all of these high scoring lineups. And then the first one that I played was, you know, way, way, way farther down here. So what I could, you know, take from this is like, Hey, you know, maybe for whatever reason, I'm not getting to these lineups. Why is that? And then I can look at the rank of them. Right. Uh, obviously these lineups were built super early in the day. So like, there's not a lot for me to gather from this information this is done during like an office hour show at 2 p.m eastern from last week but those would be the things that i would be looking at but this is the different ways you could tell so you know from my original sorting method you know my 1198th lineup was first and then you know you could figure out how all of your other lineups graded out as well but that that tool separates your 20 lineups 
sorts those by actual score, and then it does the same for the pool in the pool tab. All right, next question here from Larson. And question says, if I can't max enter a contest, how deep into the simmed lineups should I go in a 150 max contest? Should I be using lineups that have a ranking over 150 ever? I typically try to use something in the top 25 for three max, but not sure how aggressive I should get in contest and still have a potential positive EV lineup. If you can answer for 150 max and three max for the lineup rank upper limit, that can still provide positive EV lineups. If it helps, I play on FanDuel and I'm doing basketball. Okay. So Larson, see that you're on the standard plan here. So that means that you're going to have 500 lineups, right? So if I go back to today's build that we ran, you know, I did build 500 lineups. So we'll just talk about this a little bit. So when you're sorting by Sabre score, what I would recommend, and I'll just do it for today, say you're playing like a large field. You know, I think I think FanDuel runs like a $3, 150 max or something like that. So say that, you know, I'm playing that contest, right? And I have 500 lineups. My sorting method is Sabre score. I have it all set up right. You know, when using Sabre score, I would try and stay in the top 25 to 50% of your pool. So um, I'm not opposed to going past 250, but what I'm most concerned about is like, hey, am I making so many adjustments that I have to go play lineup 300, lineup 310, lineup 320, lineup 330, and and it's actually me and my opinions that are causing the builder to have to go so far down in my pool. Now, most of the time, you know, I'm trying to stay in the top 25 to 50%, so I can stay there, you know, uh, by looking at my mean unique level, by looking at my max exposures, et cetera here, right? So an example is like, Hey, I have these 20 lineups. I have four mini uniques, all is well. When I go up to five, I still have 20 lineups. My last lineup is 102. When I go to six mini uniques, I'm at lineup 481, 475, 448, 375. So like at this point, I might have gone too far here. And in although I can get 20 lineups at six mini uniques, and this is, you know, not the max, you know, I might want to go down to five here. Just because I get higher ranking lineups, now my my last lineup in my set of 20 is lineup 102, and I'm much more comfortable with that. And the reason that we say, hey, stay in the top 25 to 50% of your lineup pool is simply because we're just estimating what the ROI of the lineup is since you're using Sabre score. So with contest sims, you can actually see the number and use it as a measuring stick. But if you're on pro or standard, we're just basically making that assumption that, hey, lineups in the top 50% of your pool are going to be higher ROI than lineups that are lower. Um, and we don't know that cutoff for sure unless we have the contest symbol. You can see it here because I have it uh, uh, run. Is that, hey, at five been uniques, you know, lineup 102 is, you know, 259 or I'm sorry, 175% sim ROI. And then at mini uniques of six, my last lineup is 19.2%. So not to say that it's negative ROI, but you just might not know if it is. And it's better to just be on the safer side and stay one number higher. So staying in that top 50% of your pool is pretty much going to be okay. I'm okay with using that guideline across the board, whether it be 150 max, whether it be three max. I think that, you know, if you want to go 
closer to 50% on your large field, on your 150 max contest, and then, you know, stay in toward the top 25% in your single entries and three maxes. I think that's an okay strategy. So uh, just be open to staying within that range. And that's kind of why we suggest staying in that range in the first place. All right. Next question. I created a lot of my own projections and then I would aggregate them with the Saberson projection. Now I have a bunch of aggregated and say projections cluttering my screen. How can I remove them all? Because I saved so many, I can't create new ones and select them for new slates. Uh, so if you create custom, you know, metrics or custom projections, right? So say, you know, I'm going through here, I'm making a bunch of adjustments. And then, you know, these are ultimately sets that I uploaded. What I could do here is I could just go to the gear icon. I could hit save, you know, call this lineup set one. I'm going to get a new column here, right? If you have so many columns that it's just cluttering your screen, what I would do is right click on the column headers, go to the right hand side, go to edit columns, and then you could decide, hey, which columns am I viewing? Like, Maybe you don't care to see the adjusted ownership. So you get rid of that one. Maybe you don't care to see, you know, the, the percentiles. So you get rid of those ones, right? And then you hit apply. And then those go away. It gives you more real estate to do whatever you want. Maybe you want to get rid of your custom, you know, all the custom columns. You don't need them. So you, you would just remove those in this window. And then if you ever want to, you know, go back to the original and just use reset to default, hit apply all the original columns will come back. So managing your columns through that menu is probably your best option. All right. Hiker Willie said, I'm playing NHL Classic and Showdowns for the first time tonight. I watched Jordan and Scott on the video from the beginning of the season. Any other tips? Thanks. I, honestly, man, you know, I would really stick with the advice that they gave you. Uh, have fun, you know, playing a new sport. There is a good video here uh, on the YouTube. I think it's called, let's see what it's called, How to Learn a New DFS Sport. It's from a little bit ago, but it still has value here. I would still recommend checking this out, especially if it's your first time playing hockey. So this is more about just like general broad DFS strategy, not NHL specific, but it's going to help you go into a new sport. So whether you guys are going from NFL to golf, NFL to NBA, NFL to NHL or whatever other sport you guys are going to try out. This is actually a really good video. So thank you for asking that question and uh, jogging my memory to put this video in the chat for everybody to check out. And then I will also drop this video since you asked it in discord, I will drop it here as well. So when you review this, it is right there for you to check out, but awesome video, highly recommend it for, uh, you know, sport agnostic DFS strategy. All right, this is our last question in the Discord, and then we'll jump over to the YouTube chat. Uh, Ramesses said, isn't the risk selection, ROI, et cetera, already doing uniques based on the simulation? Uh, so not exactly. So what happens with the contest sim? And I'm not sure where my lineups went, so I'll just do a hard refresh. A little Control-Shift-R should fix that. So what happens with the contest sim is we build all your lineups and then we take your lineup 
we put it into a, you know, hypothetical behind the scenes contest with the field lineups, which are the lineups that make up the ownership projections. And then we run that a hundred thousand times. So then when that is over, we summarize all the information here. So ROI is simply how much money the lineup won divided by the total number of entry fees. So say we're playing a $1 contest. If you run the contest sim a hundred thousand times, then you're going to have a hundred thousand dollars in entry fees. Now let's say when we add up all of the winnings of the lineup, it comes out to $110,000. So then that would mean that your lineup had a 10% ROI in that contest. Win rate is going to be how many times the lineup came in first. Cash rate is going to be how many times the lineup got across the cash line. ROI standard deviation is basically a range of outcomes for the lineup. So the lineup is going to have a distribution in the contest based on all the times it all of its finishing positions. And then we're displaying that as a standard deviation number. And then what risk adjusted ROI does, it looks at all those other metrics and then gives it a score. So this is the omega ratio of the lineup is looking at how often the lineup won and how much it won when it won versus how often the lineup loses and how much it loses when it loses and then gives it a score based on those findings there. And then dupes, what dupes is doing, it's looking at, Hey, is this lineup in the field lineup set and if so how many times is it in there so this one had zero dupes you're not going to see very many dupes on these large classic slates but that comes into play a lot more on the showdown slates specifically here but uh go, to go back to your question you know roi is really not looking at risk uh which is on, honestly a problem that we had when we created the contest sims you know we didn't originally have risk adjusted roi but what was happening is that people were getting these super high leverage lineups, like especially in MLB, where it was like always fading the chalk pitcher, you know, always stacking against Garrett Cole, always stacking against Max Scherzer. And the reason for that was because, you know, when those five stacks against the chalk pitcher actually succeeded, you know, there, there was like a very clear and easy path to first place for that lineup. So it would do really well. But the problem is that, you know, we're, we're running 100,000 contests in, well, the lineup only gets played, you know, one time at the end of the day. So these lineups were super leveraged. You know, you have to play a lot of slates to realize some of that equity. And we wanted to give our users something that was uh, not so high leverage, which is when we decided to add in risk-adjusted ROI, which we think is a much better metric, uh, just, just long-term with variance and swings and, you know, day-to-day -day grind of DFS. So that's why we suggest risk-adjusted ROI. That is counting, accounting for risk a little bit more. But at no point are any of these metrics uh, working with MinUniques, right? MinUnique is a post-build filter that that uh, takes takes comes into play after the lineups are created, right? So on optimizer mode, when you go to your build settings, there's sim mode and optimizer mode. In optimizer mode, you, your uniques go in before the build. In sim mode, our uniques go in after the build because we're building so many more lineups than you're actually requesting. So if you need 20 lineups, you know, we'll build you 500 to 5,000. All right. Good question so far. Jumping over to the YouTube chat. Question from Crutches. If you have a couple main contests, what's the best way to run two contest sims without running two builds? Would it be sort by one sim, then fill, then do sort by next sim and fill the other lineups? Okay, good question. So let's say that um, I don't have an entries file for this slate at the moment. 
So let's say that I have two contest sims, right? So I have my flagship MME one, and then I have my second contest sim. So I'm going to run these. That way they both run here. So the, the best strategy here is say that there, say I have two 20 max contests, right? So first off, decide which 20 max is more important to you. And then you're going to fill that one first. So set up your 20 lineups, set up, you know, any other things that you're using, min uniques, min max exposures, et cetera. Go to save to my contests. Let me see if I could uh, get, you know what? I have an interest file for something else. Uh, let's go to the turbo tonight. There's a 432 turbo that I have some entries for. So let's do this again. 500 lineups. Just so I can show you guys how to actually do it. Okay, I think I only have one contest sim. No contest sims. Okay. All right, so let me just go create a couple contest sims. So I have a 20 max here, and then I have a 20 max here. Perfect. Okay, so I have two contest sims for this turbo slim. So I'm going to run this. So lineups are run, running the contest sim now. I'm not going to make any adjustments to my lineups. I'm just going to kind of go through the filling process here. So as soon as this contest sim finishes, what I'm going to do is say I have my 20 lineups. I like them. I'm all set. You know, I picked my right sorting metric. So I'm going to do the $1.20 max first, you know, risk adjusted ROI. Okay, good. Everything looks fine. Go to save. And then I'm going to only select the $1.20 max. I'm going to save that. You're going to see the source get updated. And then I'm going to trash these lineups using the trash bin icon right here. It's going to trash these 20. It's going to give me a new 20 lineups. And then I'm going to go and change my sorting metric to the second contest sim. And then I'm going to go uncheck the first contest, check the second one, click save, and then boom. And then I would do that, you know, for however many contest sims you have and go from there. So the reason we like that approach is because you're guaranteeing by trashing the lineups that you get a unique lineup into each entry. And then your best lineups, your first set of lineups are going into the contest that you care the most about. And then, you know, your next 20 are going into the second contest and then so on and so forth. So that is the process that I would follow when using multiple contest sims all within the same build. All right. Justin said, does Saber Sim take into account negatively correlated players on the same team? Uh, yes, we do. And the way we do that, so the correlation slider does not only account for positive correlation. Um, this turbo is not a great example. Let's go back to the main slate. So you see that on the main slate, you know, the correlation value is at two. So the reason it's at two is because in, in general, correlations for NBA are going to be pretty low. Like Luca's highest positive correlation is 0.02. But if you go in down and look at the bottom, you know, his highest negative correlation is negative 0.12 to Kyrie Irving, right? So his highest correlation, you know, absolute value wise is actually on the negative end. Well, the correlation slider does not only work for positive correlations. It actually helps to prevent negatively correlated players from coming in your lineups as well. So when those players have positive correlation, you know, they're going to get a boost. And then when those players are negatively correlated, they're going to get taxed. They're going to get hurt, which is going to make it less likely that they these two players in question end up in the same lineup together. So 
having the correlation slider on is going to prevent more lineups with both Luca and Kyrie in this example from being in the same lineup unless they both do so well that they overcome that the effect that the correlation slider is having on their projections in the same lineup together. All right. Next question from Clay. Hello, Andrew. How do you set up if I only want to run stacks with two players from a team? Uh, what I would do is just set up a rule and then it would, it would look like this one actually. So it's a group automatic rule. And then you would say, use no more than two group by team. And then this will make sure that you don't have any more than a two stack from a given team in your lineups. So I would just run a rule that looks like this and you should be all set. All right. Question from Noah. I feel like I never get the chalk plays right. The days I play them, they stink. The day I go away from them, they go off. What do I do? So this is a concept that, that I've been thinking about a lot in general. And, you know, it kind of comes from all of the contest flashback videos that, that Max and I did during the NFL season. And, you know, if you guys missed them, we did one for like almost every week of NFL here. We just skipped a couple weeks during the holidays. Um, but we did summarize it here in like this DFS review, what we learned from the season here. And, and one thing that I remember thinking about and learning throughout the year is like when studying some of these top players, you know, they weren't doing anything crazy, taking these massive stands. Uh, they were taking small stands. They would take stands here and there. But like this concept of, you know, a lot of people are trying to figure out, hey, what is the right play? Which play is going to go off? Who's the best play tonight? Sometimes you got to think backwards and say, hey, you know, who? Uh, sometimes you got to come at it with like an approach of like, hey, just don't make a mistake tonight. Like figure out, you know, maybe who is not the best play and then stay away from those plays and then let Saberson figure out who is the best play now that you are kind of staying away from these other guys. So in my head, like kind of in your example, it's like, Hey, you know, I never get like the chalk right or wrong or whatever it is. Well, sometimes, you know, maybe you should just not take a stand on the chalk. If you're not sure is basically what I'm trying to say. It's like a long winded way of saying it. Like maybe, you know, you see that, you know, Keontae George is, you know, the highest owned player of the day. And you can't really figure out like, Hey, you know, is this, right? Is this wrong? You know, he's not like a household name. Uh, doesn't look like there's a ton of value on this slate. So like, you know, everyone's just kind of gravitating toward this like semi-value player and you kind of don't know what to do. In my opinion, you know, the best thing that you could do is like, Hey, I'm just going to match ownership on this guy and I'm going to pick my spot somewhere else. So like when you're just not sure the most neutral thing you can do is just match ownership and, and get different somewhere else. So in this case, like say I'm just really unsure about Keontae George, I might just set like a really small range to him. Like, hey, put him in, you know, 25 to 30% of my lineups. That way it's right within this ownership range. And then if he does good, hey, I have as many lineups on average as the field does. And then if he does bad, well, hey, I'm, I'm sinking as many lineups on average as the field is. And then you get different elsewhere. So you know, maybe, you know, you're having this, you know, fight against, you know, do I leverage the chalk? Do I go under the field? Maybe you just match them. And, and maybe, you know, you let the builder figure out a different spot to get different and find leverage elsewhere. So that's, that's what I think 
um, is, is a good approach here and something that I've been trying to incorporate into my own DFS strategy. Uh, Justin said, okay, great. Thanks. I still use optimizer and have to make certain rules, max one of Luca Irving, etc." Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially if like you're on, you're using optimizer mode. Uh, that makes more sense to me. Noah said, additionally, how can I have a mix of stars and scrubs and balanced in a 20 max set up? Uh, honestly, you know, if you're having trouble doing that, one of the best ways to do it would be to use the favorites feature. So like I could build 10 lineups and build one. And then I have my 10 lineups here right? Change the number of my lineups to 10. And then once I'm happy with these 10 lineups, you know, use the, the star icon. It's going to send your 10 lineups to the favorites tab. And then I can click in here and I can see them. And then you could have a build two where you do something different, get those 10 lineups, send them to the favorites. And then once you have both of those sets of 10 lineups, use the save to my contest button and then save them from within this window. And then uh, just remember that your sorting metric doesn't matter in this window because you've already sorted the lineups in build one and build two and then sent the lineups that you wanted to play to this window. So don't get uh, confused by the different sorting metric here. It's not a problem, but I would probably use favorites if you're trying to find a balance of, hey, I want to have a mix of stars and scrubs and then some more balance sets and then come at it from that approach. So I think that's probably the best option here. All right, but... With that said, uh, taking a peek here, looks like we're all caught up with questions in both the Office Hours channel and the YouTube chat. So appreciate you guys tuning in to the new showtime here. I will be right back here tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern for our Tuesday show. So until then, everybody, take care. Good luck. I'll see you all. Thanks. Bye.